This morning, um, let me just put it this way. I, I wrote about four messages this week, and God kept throwing on my mind this concept of grace. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I'm going to just put it this way. For the last six times I've preached here, I've preached on one chapter of the Bible and then the next chapter and then the next chapter. But as we come back today, I've got three chapters that I'm preaching from, so I hope you brought your lunch. Alright? But no, there's very few scriptures here that I'm going to talk about through the book of Ephesians. But as I was reading through Ephesians this week, uh, I came to certain points here and I thought there is a theme running through these chapters that we need to get, and that is grace. Uh, we've talked in the book of Galatians, we talked uh, numerous weeks on faith and, and how we're saved uh, by faith. But if not for the grace of God, we, what would we have faith in? And so this morning as we study this, let's stand and read probably a very familiar passage of scripture with most of you Ephesians 2 8 through 10 says for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for allowing us to come out this morning and just talk for a moment on your grace, dear Lord. Dear Lord, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins and pay a payment that none of us could pay. Dear Lord, thank you for loving us that much. Forgive us all our sins. In your name I pray. Amen. So the first question this morning that we come to is if we're going to talk about this concept of grace, we have to ask ourselves, why grace? Why do we have to have grace? And it it really boils down to a few elementary concepts that most of you that have been around uh, Scripture before know, and that is we've got a problem with sin. Romans 3.23, it tells us... uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Since Adam sinned in the garden, each and every one of us has suffered because of that sin. Sin is passed down through uh, Adam all the way to us. Our sin taints us. And because of that, we have separation from God. And that separation is called death. Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of sin, we have separation. That's the penalty. That's where we're at. Why is this the case? Because God's holy. He's holy and he, he sits before us and, and holy uh, is this separation. And you find this separation over in 1 John 1 and verse 5. 1 John 1, 5, it says, 
This then is the message which we have heard from of him and declare unto you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness. Do you see that separation? God is light and in him is no darkness. This this sin that we have, we can't be united with God because he can't have of it. He, he's not a part of that. We are in darkness and He is light and there's no in-between. We can't come together with Him. And there's nothing we can do because we are in darkness. In our fallen state, there's no way for us to fix this separation of ourselves. Isn't that what Ephesians tells us? Ephesians 2, 9, not of works lest any man can boast. We can't fix this situation. And there's some scripture in the Bible that I don't really like. <laughs> That's my flesh speaking, because all of the Word of God is inspired. But let's think about this. The scripture sometimes is a little offensive. And it tells us over in Isaiah chapter 64, something that most of us would find offensive because when, when we go and we live life and we try to do life the best of our ability and we try to look like Christ and, and we, we do all this, Isaiah 64 is a truth that we can come back to and realize that in Isaiah 64, 6, it says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We're all sinners. And anything I try to do good, anything at all, I'm still a sinner. The playing field's level. There's no way to get to God besides grace. It says... In Isaiah 64, that, that we are taken away. There's a separation again. So with nothing we could do about it in our fallen condition, we have to have grace. Grace is giving someone something they don't deserve. Because of our sinful condition, we don't deserve a relationship with God. Remember, He is light, we are darkness, there's separation. We don't deserve that. So the only way we can have hope is through grace. The only way that we can have that uh, hope of renewing that bond is through grace alone. And, and excuse my language, but you're going to hear the word grace a lot in this sermon. Grace in Romans 5.8, probably again another very familiar scripture with most of you. It says, but God commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's grace. While we couldn't pay the price, when there was absolutely nothing we could do, God paid it for us by sending his son to die on the cross. There's grace. And then as I, as I start reading through Ephesians, I come over to Ephesians chapter 3. And I begin to see something a little interesting as we begin to move on into this concept of what grace is. 
In Ephesians 3 and verses 1 and 2, we see that Paul received grace. Paul received grace. And, and here, Ephesians 3, 1 and 2, it says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which is given me to you, word. What Paul's saying here is he's saying, I was given grace for your benefit. I was given grace for your benefit so that when I come unto you, I could tell you and share with you the grace that I have. One of the most selfish things we can do as Christians is hold on to the grace that we have and not share it with anybody else. Grace was given to Paul so that he could share that with the church at Ephesus, so that he could share that with, with all, in all these epistles. If you look at Paul in his writing, in the first chapter and in the last chapter, in the last few verses, he's always going to include the word grace. Because that was his message. Yes, the gospel was his message, but the gospel is a message of grace. Paul wanted to see people come to know Jesus. He wanted them to experience the same grace that he himself had experienced. Paul looks at grace as his responsibility in the ministry. He saw it as something he was given to give to others, and we ought do the same. Not only that, but as we start looking down in Ephesians 3, look at verse 7 and 8. It says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of His power, unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given. And I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul says a few interesting things here. First of all, Paul describes himself as the less than the least of all the saints. Why would he do that? I believe that Paul was so open about the grace of God because he experienced grace himself in a mighty way. If he didn't know, Paul was trying to wipe out Christians from off the earth. I mean, that was, that was his goal. That was his mindset. Imagine if one of you in here went around murdering a father's kids one by one and one by one and one by one. And you kept murdering them. The last thing you would expect from that father would be to give you grace. That's what Paul did. Paul goes around the country and around this area and, and he's, he's murdering people for, for the, his own cause to wipe out Christians. And, and the reason he did this is because he, he felt threatened by them. He felt that his religion, his beliefs were threatened by Christians. And so he begins to murder them. But then he met Jesus. And Jesus extended grace to him and said, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I paid for that. Now do my work. That's what grace is. It looks at who we are and looks past who we are to what God can use us to be. Look at 1 Timothy with me just for a moment. 1 Timothy 1.15 
Not only did Paul describe himself as the less than least, the least of all the saints, but he also described himself himself in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, this is the faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm the top dog is what he says. I've done the worst of the worst. I want to show you something this morning that, that as I'm studying this this week, it kind of made sense to me. This morning, look at this circle, and this circle represents salvation. And then, and then I'm going to put a dot up here. That's A, okay? A is this guy who grew up in church. He, he did all the right things. He followed his um, mom and dad to mission rallies. He, he, he's been in youth uh, programs his whole life. And at the age of seven, he accepts Jesus Christ as a Savior. Then we have student B. And this is where I find Paul. Student B, he is the worst of worsts. I mean, at age two, his parents looked at him and said, you are a sinner. Okay, by nature, and you know, I called Ella that the other day. She's a sinner. Okay, uh, believe me, she's a sinner. But this kid, not only did he grow up and and his life revolved around that essence of him being a sinner, but he grew up in a life far away from God. He didn't go to church. His parents didn't take him to church. His parents were alcoholics, drug abusers, and, and, and then they were as far away from God as he could get. When he grew up, he, he, he went to prison. He went to prison because he, he himself murdered someone. You know what happens here? In prison, this man picks up the Bible, begins studying. And here's the cool thing. Show this next side. It took the same amount of grace for each of these men to be saved. The same amount of grace. You say, well... Well, that one guy needed a little extra. No, he didn't. Jesus dying on the cross, taking our sins to the cross, took care of everything we have done, everything we will do. He paid the price, and it's done. And not any one of us deserves more grace than another. We deserve grace. I'm sorry, that's a lie. We don't deserve grace. But it's given to us. We're given grace, and that's all we need. Each one of these men represents two different lifestyles and come from two different lifestyles. But the fact of the matter is, when given grace, the playing field's even. God can use each and every one of us when given grace to do mighty things. Look at Paul. Remember? He, he kind of connects with B here. He, he didn't grow up, well, he did grow up uh, learning Scripture, but it was not in Christian uh, doctrine. Matter of fact, he was going around murdering people because of his faith. What he believed in. But yet God used him in a mighty way. Not only do we need grace just for salvation, but we need grace for our day-to-day. 
The last point, and I'm going to spend the majority of my time here this morning, is we need to show grace. We need to show grace because we've been given grace. We've been given grace uh, in full dosage, okay? There's no more, no less. You've been given grace if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. What He did on the cross, it's the full dosage. Each and, one of, each and every one of us has gotten that. And I'm going to go a little out of order, Brother Kenneth, but look with me real quick uh, to Matthew 6.12. Matthew 6.12, and, and you probably, most of you will recognize this, as it's in the prayer uh, that Jesus taught the disciples. It says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As I looked at that this week, I thought, man... I don't know if I'm ready to pray that. I don't know if I'm I'm ready to pray that prayer. Because me being a human, there's often times where I go around and I hold a grudge. And I hold back from people because, because, to be honest, I don't love people the way that Christ loved me. And if I did love people the way Christ loved me, I could forgive my debtors the way that He's forgiven me. You see that? That's a scary prayer to people who are living in the flesh because we want God to forgive us entirely, but yet one another, we're not ready for that. It's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? I've suffered from this, okay? I I hold grudges, and, and, and I can honestly say there's nobody in this room that I have a grudge with. But I'm saying I do that as a human. But that doesn't justify it. Just because I'm human, just because I have the flesh, doesn't justify my actions. Because God calls me to something more. He calls me to forgive others the way He forgave me. To show grace the way He forgave me. One of the ways we see this is over in Colossians, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says this, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Cliff, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I thought you were going to get on my sermon this morning in class. Uh, I was, that's why I didn't say anything in class. Uh, but how many of us do this? We go and we instantly run people down. We instantly condemn them because of things they've done to us. Rather than let our speech be seasoned with grace. I think about Jesus and the woman at the well. In John 8.11, remember Jesus looks around after He says, Okay, whoever of you is without sin, throw the first stone. What they all do? They left. And then in John 8.11, what does He do? He says, "No." Uh, she, she answered Him when Jesus asked the question, uh, Is there no man to condemn you? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Speech seasoned with grace. 
she's sitting there. She knows this man is different than any other man because he's just wiped out all the people that are fixing to condemn her. She knows he's different. And probably the only man that's willing or, or really has the authority to condemn her. Right? And yet his own speech says, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. There's grace in Jesus Christ and there ought to be grace in what we say. If his, if Christ himself chose to not see condemnation, but rather grace, we should as well. When we look out, I promise when you start looking at people, you're going to find problems. Each and every one of us, like we said in the opening part of this message, each and every one of us are sinners. You're going to find problems. It's up to you to choose what you see. Grace or condemnation. Show grace. That's what Jesus showed us. Look at Hebrews for a moment. Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse... 15 says this it says looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled fail first of all you need to look at that word. It means to lack. Okay, if any man lack grace of God, what's going to happen? Trouble. Trouble. Bitterness is what it says. Go back to our text in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 and verse 32 It says, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. There's times in my life I can look back on and see the worst conflicts. The the very worst situations in my life often happen because I'm not willing to show grace. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, me and a friend get in an argument. And I think he's done me wrong. I think he's, he's, he's done something against me. And I'm not willing to show grace to him. That's where a conflict happens. You may be sitting here this morning and say, well, I would show grace. But Trey, you don't know what they've done to me. You're right, I don't know what you've done to them, but I do know what you've done to Christ. Did you know that Jesus Christ would have went to the cross to die on that cross even if you were the only sinner in the whole world? I don't know what your friend's done to you, but I know what I've done to Christ. And He hung on that tree because of me. He showed grace because of me. We ought to be willing to show grace to one another. 
We've received a grace that it is so much greater than anything we will ever encounter on this earth because He died. No greater friend is this than a man give up his life and hang on the cross. And that's not quoting, but that's what Jesus did, right? He died on the cross for us. He showed the ultimate grace. And the least I can do is show grace to one of my friends. And you think about that and say, well, you just don't understand the situation. Yeah, I do. Grace calls for humility. Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven, came to this earth, and died on that cross. He stepped out of heaven. He stepped away from His Father in heaven to come and die on the cross for us. It's hard to do. But as I sit back and I think about that, because of God, Christ showing that grace toward us, God now has a relationship with people that could only happen because of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we don't understand the opportunity we have when we show grace. Look at 1 Peter 4 and verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We have a responsibility. Promised land. We have a responsibility to show grace. We have a responsibility, maybe through the grace that we show, we show Christ. And maybe as people look at us and, and see, man, they are so gracious, they are so giving, they, maybe they'll see Christ in that. We have an opportunity to minister to others just by showing the grace we ourselves have received. This morning, there's there's probably people in here, in this room. I mean, as big a crowd as we have, that have a grudge. Show grace. This week, as I was I was studying this, and I was trying to think of a good good title. This is where I came to. Choose grace. Choose grace. Because each and every one of us go each and every day, and we have conflicts that we run into. We have people in our lives that we have an opportunity to minister to. And if we don't choose grace now, when we get to that situation, we're not going to choose it. So today, as we look at Scripture, as we look at what Christ has done for us on the cross, choose grace. As we get ready for a hymn of invitation, I want to ask you this morning. Some of you are Christians and, and we need to choose grace for our everyday life, but some of you may be here this morning and you've never known grace. What Jesus did on the cross was the greatest act of grace 
mankind has ever seen. Choose grace.